Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Friday, July 2nd, 2021. Happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. Uh, We've got a fun episode for you guys today. Some news has been breaking in Red Wings land for the first time in a long time. We're going to talk Alex Tangay hiring. We got three big takeaways from that. Um, We are also going to get into the Keith Petrozelli news, the Red Wings top goaltending prospect. Uh, does not look like he's going to sign with the Red Wings. So we're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about the ramifications. Well, actually, we don't really know the why, but we're going to talk about the ramifications, how it could affect draft day, a whole lot more. I think we're going to close it out with the how do you feel about a Friday, maybe America edition. I don't know. Um, or maybe just like hot dog edition or something like that. First, got to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join us on Thursdays at five o'clock. We just did one last night. It was a ton of fun. Uh, and get in on the action. You can talk with us, ask us questions, uh, tell us our opinions, stink right to our faces. Whatever you want to do, uh, it's available on Spotify Greenroom. I am Noel Bianchi. I got Scotty Bentley with me, uh, Ethan Smith. Obviously not here because you know there's a vac- or there's a holiday in four days so, um, so you know he, he obviously isn't here. Uh, what's going on, Scotty? How's it going, man? It's going swell. It's going absolutely swell. Uh, so we have got some big news to talk about. The we should get into like the most important news of the Tangay hiring, and that is the the baldness. Um, <laughs> I mean, definitely the, the goat, the biggest news. Yes, you know they they the Red Wings coaching staff is is sliding in that direction, and uh, it's starting to be clear why Dan Bilesman wasn't a fit. And like the 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 Tangay bald head, like with all due respect to Jeff Blashill's bald head, like the Tangay is way balder. Uh yeah, no, it's like it's crazy how two people can very clearly and objectively be bald, but one be so much balder than the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a yeah, fascinating yeah. concept yeah. and it's pretty incredible. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we are actually, we, we next week uh, we should get this out of the way. We have hopefully the current Iowa wild head coach coming on the show to give us a full breakdown of Alex Tangay, what he saw during his time uh, as, as coach of the Iowa wild team. Uh, So hopefully we're going to get that. Don't hold us to it. It's in the very early stages right now, but we've made contact and we're in the process of setting something up. So hopefully uh, we will have that for you guys also should mention, we will not have an episode on Monday or Tuesday. I, now would be very surprised if there's an episode Tuesday. There's a 95% chance we go radio silence until Wednesday. Uh, just been a long couple of months. Going to enjoy the extra weekend. Uh, so look for three episodes next week. Maybe we'll throw you out a bonus one. I'm not honestly entirely sure yet, but uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Scott, before I get into my three big takeaways, uh, anything of note that jumped out to you right off the page uh, from these press conferences on Thursday? Um, I think the biggest one was the lack of, I am, I usually side with Ethan a lot when it comes to like coach speak. And I feel like 
at least from the reporters, there was a lot of directness, which I respected. Um, I think that there was a very clear, um, everybody knows why the previous person in said position of hiring was canned. The, the, the special teams was atrocity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the very clear and like not being afraid to just flat out be like, hey, <laughs> like the power play, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I, I respected that a lot. And I think that that's really important because that is very obviously why he is here. And uh, I, I will start with my, my first big takeaway is that I get the sense that on a very, very base level, a very small level, and, and this word might even get misconstrued when I use it, but I get the sense that Jeff Blaschel is trying to innovate. And this was the first thing that jumped out to me. Uh, and, and even after I listened to both of them, still the most prominent thing that jumped out to me. And something they both talked about in both of their press conferences was the fact that Alex Tangay, obviously from the Colorado Avalanche rivalry back in the day. He said that Chris Draper called him and said, well, you know, the, you're the first to cross that bridge. I thought that was pretty funny. But they both talked about uh, how something that they like in Alex Tangay is the fact that he is a former player and a, and a player who retired not that long ago. Um, and, and the word that Blashill used that made my ears perk up was unique. He said he looks at offense he, uniquely um, because that's how he sees the game, not because he went to a coaching clinic. And Blashill said that he was looking for somebody with a a unique mindset on the offensive side of the puck. And he talked about working with Chris Chelios and Grand Rapids and appreciating that he didn't think the game like a coach. So what that meant to me was that he was not necessarily looking for another Dan Bilesma. You know, he wasn't looking for somebody who had been a coach and been around the league for a long time and things like that. He was looking for somebody who, regardless of their position, regardless of the way they were going to do it. I think Jeff Blashill had in his mind that he wanted something a little bit different and that's what they got in Tangay. And that from the jump makes me a little bit optimistic about it. For sure. No, I'm totally with you. I like, it's really very clearly a change needed to happen again, just Mm -hmm. the person that was in charge of the power play in one of the most atrocious displays of a power play I've ever seen last year, deserved to be fired because of that reason. And now we have someone replacing him. He, I I mean, the power play, the special teams numbers at Iowa were not bad at all. I don't know. I I think it's like you said, it's, it makes a lot of sense and it's a new change of pace. Yeah. So they had the uh, fifth best power play in the league in Tangay's first season uh, and its offense was among the league's most productive, improving from 3.08 goals per game in 1920 to 3.15 goals per game over a 34-game schedule this season. Uh, so that definitely he, he does definitely have tangible numbers to back that up. And the second thing that that really jumped out to me was the fact that, contradictory to my first statement a little bit, they're not looking to try something crazy or reinvent the wheel. And that's something that Jeff Blashill talked about all season long is something he reiterated again on Thursday. Um, you know, the fact that there is only so many power play systems that you can possibly think of. And, and most teams in the league, they run something that's, that's rather similar. And they were both asked about what clicked in those meetings. And Blash was very complimentary about the way he says he sees the game. And he have a quote here and it, and it was just very simple. He was asked about, you know, what did, what did he like about meeting him? And he said, um, 
you know, they were just watching the power play together. They were looking at guys and he was just making comments. Like he could help this player find more space this way. He can help that player find more space that way. And I think the main thing to me is, is, and this might be jumping the shark a little bit because, you know, we all we've had to go off so far as two press conferences, but I think the main thing that is going to be different about this power play is that instead of saying, here's the system, get good at it. It's going to be a lot more, Hey, here's the system. Here's how, and when you should deviate from the system. Here's how we think that you can go a little bit rogue. Here are two options. If your first one doesn't work here, you know, here's when you can turn back to the corner. Here's where you can get a little creative. And I think that is something that, I mean, how many times last season did you watch the guy like walk in from the half wall, usually like Mantha or whoever, and just, they, they would have nowhere to go. And then they'd stop. And then they'd, they'd take three seconds to, to back up a foot while they're stick handling. Nobody's open somehow, even though they're out manning them five to four, like just the stagnancy and lack of movement. It was so bothersome uh, in this power play. And I think right away, that's something that Tangay attacked in those film studies based on what the both of them said. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, not, not too much to add. Really just happy that the eight, like you said, and really hit the nail on the head, a new outlook, a new style of doing so. Clearly the last one didn't work. So I'm very open to whatever the new one is going to be. That's really all there is to it for me. Uh, and then the third takeaway uh, is that this is a top-down job. And I think that anybody, you and I, Scotty, maybe know this, you know, just as just as well as anybody else, that that is the case. And it was the case all season long. It was the zone entries. It was establishing the zone. It was what I just talked about, the stagnancy once you get set up. Uh, and Blash addressed that. He said, you know, when the power play number, when the power play percentage is as poor as it is, uh, the power play is going to need a little bit of everything. And he touched on winning face-offs and he named that first. And he said, you know, a lot of times that's what possession comes from on the power play is a face-off in the offensive zone. He talked about keeping possession in the offensive zone. He talked about entering the zone. And these are all little things uh, that I think are, are, are a lot like, you know, maybe, again, Tangay doesn't have the reputation. So this is again, maybe a, a demonstrably leap of a statement. Uh, but in a lot of ways, like, uh, like a Chris Fetter would with the Tigers in Detroit, where he's saying, Hey, you know what? Do you think about throwing it that way or putting your finger here, or, you know, icing this for an extra day and, and just kind of that new way of, of thinking it, that curiosity. Um, and, and because this is a top-down job, I think that is going to have positive effects on the offensive five on five output too. I mean, like the, the power play this season was very much a microcosm of what their offense was. If you look at a lot of the offensive stats, if you look at like a lot of the league rankings and power play percentage and power play shooting percentage and shots per, you know, 60 on the power play, like they are, are in the same place amongst the league as they are in pretty much most of the five on five stats, which is, 28th or lower. And so I think that that having these little things that they learn in the power play on that system, things like that, those same principles will translate. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, of course, this is all based on whether or not it works, but hopefully that, you know, you think that those principles will translate and maybe help them figure a little bit out offensively five on five too, because there are a lot of times this season where the offense had the same exact problems as the power play did. Yeah, I'll just say, if this hire is half 
of the hire that Chris Fetter is, this is going to be one of the best hires we've we've made in this regime. Because Chris Fetter is is, which I am un- not saying, which I am not no, prepared no, no. to say. I, I, no, no, no. I, I I get it. I'm just saying if that that comparison, if not comparison, but that that analogy, like if that's the the change in approach is so important in sports mm-hmm. and the change of of not continuing to run into a wall and just like expect something to change or whatever uh, new philosophy is important new outlooks important and and yeah if this is if this is e- even a a sliver of what that hire is then this is going to be a phenomenal hire and yeah, you you really you really uh, hit the nail on the head there. I I think that this is he said everything right. He said everything mm. that's going to encourage this fan base in the presser. There's nothing that can be taken out of it where that's going to cause whatever Red Wings Twitter like <laughs> mayhem. He he said everything that that he needed to say, and uh, yeah, I think most people will be pretty pleased with it. A just because it's a new face but even more so because it is this face. And I think that's, those are two different things that we can both be happy on. All right, let us head into segment two. We got Petrozelli, Larkin, and Bertuzzi news coming up in just a second. Here comes Rasmussen, third period underway. Circles in at in front, scores Adam Ernie. He's got his team leading 11th goal and the Red Wings have the lead in the game one to nothing. All right, we're back for segment two here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Go follow us on Twitter. Oh, I've, we didn't even do a hacking update. I'm unhacked. He's uh, unhacked. He's so back, like literally minute, like in a couple hours after we recorded Wednesday's episode, um, I got it back. And so hopefully, you know, the, the listeners, they follow me on Twitter. So they know this. But um, yes, I, despite previous statements, I retract everything I said about my hack Twitter account on Wednesday and Thursday because uh, I'm back. Go follow me at Noel Bianchi. Go follow Scotty at Bentley Scotty. Go follow Lockdown Red Wings at LO underscore Red Wings. We love chopping it up with you guys. Love talking hockey. We put out lots of uh, hypotheticals, trade scenarios, things like that for you guys to get engaged with. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So check us out there. Uh, let's wrap up this this flashel press conference uh, before we move into Petrozelli because he did say a couple things uh, about Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, he said Larkin has not started training yet, but is along the timeline that they expected for that neck injury that he suffered in the Dallas game uh, from Jamie Ben. And Bertuzzi is at the stage where he can get out of strictly rehab and start working on strength training and all that other good stuff. Uh, he said that they, he doesn't know if they're ready uh, for camp and would say today that he doesn't know anything uh, about what that situation might look like, but just uh, uh, no news is good news type deal, but obviously they, he was asked about it and then the news is no news. So uh, a, a good thing across the board for Red Wings fans and both those yeah, two guys. For sure. Um, so the Red Wings top goaltending prospect uh, really from, I would say the past year, I think for a while, Philip Larson was deemed the number one prospect, but Petrozelli, the season that he's put together at Quinnipiac over the last year uh, or two years, frankly, um, has been absolutely incredible. Uh, unfortunately for the Red Wings, he will not uh, be signing with the Red Wings. Come August, uh, it's, uh, we had a tweet from 
trying to pull this up. New England hockey journalist Mark Diver, that's with two V's in Diver. Uh, he said that Petrozelli is expected to not sign with the Red Wings in August and enter free agency. So obviously a huge bummer uh, for the Red Wings, but also a situation that now brings out draft implications. Yeah. I, I mean, the, uh, the draft implications I think are the heaviest. <laughs> I think that's fairly obvious and looking forward and, and team needs and stuff. Um, I'm just going to keep my campaign rolling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just going to keep my campaign rolling now more than ever. And, and we were, you, you have been very vocal about your, um, your, I don't know if I, fandom is a weird word, but your, your, you have been very pro Petrozelli in the past. And it's, yeah. it's very interesting, very interesting situation all around. And uh, yeah, yes, for one six, baby. And again, this is an unconfirmed report. Uh, so, you know, who knows, this could end up not being correct, but it would explain why Petrozelli hasn't signed yet. I mean, there was a, the question out there of whether or not that he would return to Quinnipiac because he did have that extra year of eligibility. Um, he had a very heartbreaking loss in the NCAA tournament. I believe it was an overtime loss. Um, so you think maybe he just wants to go back to college and instead of going to Grand Rapids or wherever the Red Wings were going to put him, but uh, instead, here we are on July 1st, and the Red Wings really do not have a capable goalie prospect in their pipeline. And that is a problem uh, because I think the, the goaltender issue is like something that uh, it can easily be fixed, right? Like the Red Wings don't technically have a goaltender right now, and they just went out and signed Jonathan Bernier and Thomas Grice. But I think when you're like getting – better and you're getting in stages of contending and things like that you don't want to go out and have to rely on just some whoever's on the market some five million dollar man you know you don't know what you're going to have to pay him i just i as much as everybody talks about like just being able to get a goalie like i don't necessarily like the idea of just going out and getting a goalie when you're ready to contend and uh i i think certainly if not, Jesper Wall said at six, it certainly brings Sebastian Casa into play at 22. And obviously he is the uh, less well-regarded goaltender, but a very still highly ranked goaltender in his own right. I believe if he goes first round, he'll be the first Canadian to do it since 2012. Um, but I, I, I really think that these two guys are very seriously in play now. And just as a gut feeling, I'm, I got it at like a th- 30 to 40 percent that they're going to take one of them i just i don't know how you just keep rolling along with no goaltending prospects yeah it's it's a massive red flag might be too harsh but you we don't have one at the obviously in lca either we don't have one in the show either so it's across the entire system we now really don't have any goalie prospects and that whether no matter what your philosophy on goalies is, that is alarming. That's from a depth purpose. Even if you go out and spend huge money and were to get one now, you know, if that they get injured or if they have a Bobrovsky situation, like you can't just, you can't just not, that's, that's a massive hole and that's a massive red flag. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it does make draft season a lot more interesting now because Again, at some point, uh, you have to imagine 
even in the depth rounds, even in the later rounds, you, you have to imagine that they're going to take a chance and take somebody because I, I can't imagine we just continue to go about this with, and we have a lot of needs. Don't get me wrong, but goalie is, is there's only one goalie. Like we said in our green room earlier, like you only have one on the ice at a time. It's a very important position to have some sort of depth at and have some t- appearance of a future within the organization at it. So, yeah, I, I think that it makes draft season. Uh, it, it, if people thought that the, the scope was wide for the amount of people and the, the fishnet was wide and it's probably even wider now because that we could really take anyone there. It's, it's a hell of a hell of a conversation. And they do still have Carter Gielander. They still have Jan Bednash who they drafted, you know, last season, but I just think when you get into this situation of we'll just find a goalie, like you're just kind of really taking a big gamble, like on a year to year basis. And I know that can be true with even your own homegrown goalies, but like I would still rather have on my hockey team, a goalie that I can trust. And I'm maybe paying a little bit less than I would, or a little bit more than I would like, but a goalie that I can trust. And, and rather than, oh no, it's February. The Red Wings don't have a goalie. Hopefully they can get somebody at the deadline. Hopefully they don't have to give up too much of them. Like, and, and I just, I, I don't understand um, why there's less of a premium placed on, you know, the value of goaltending. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't make much sense to me, but this, this news does uh, change things for the Red Wings. And that is something to keep an eye on. So be sure. To do that, uh, we don't have much else for it. We're going to kick it off into how do you feel about it Friday. We're going to do 4th of July edition. Uh, but first, got to talk to the folks today about Built Bar. Built Bar is the most delicious tasting protein bar on the market and has been for a while now. And did you know that they have nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. I know I'm passionate right now about the salted caramel. I love salt. I love caramel, and there's nothing better than being able to get 17 grams of protein at the expense of only 130 calories when I have one. It's absolutely amazing. If you haven't tried all the nine fl- flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Um, so order today, get that raspberry, get that mint brownie, get that salted caramel. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off of your first order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Aronic with the empty net. He's good at it. He's good at it. He hits it. He's the best at it. It's 3-1. All right, Scotty, segment three here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're doing a little bit of how do you feel about a Friday, 4th of July edition. Uh, last time until we see you guys on Wednesday. So enjoy the break. Don't do anything crazy. Do you have anything off the top of your head? I, I can I can name a couple if you want me to start. I have, I have one that's not like the most random thing ever because it's baseball related. Um, mm-hmm. But... The Tigers played in a doubleheader yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'm curious your unfiltered opinion on the seven-inning doubleheader rule. I kind of like it. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it is an excuse to do the doubleheader, and, like, who doesn't love Let's Play 2? Um, and so, yeah. Fair I, enough. I, I like it. 
I tell you what I don't like is that's the extra innings rule. I know I'm probably yeah. not alone on that. I, I don't think anyone exactly. really likes and, the extra inning rule. But is there a compromise there? Because there is. What, you, what you, is the compromise? You, you, you start you do it in the, the 12th, 12th inning. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right. Fourth of July edition sparklers. I, sparklers and then fireworks. How do you feel about them? Because they're two very different things, obviously. Sure. So sparklers feel phenomenal about them. (laughs) Easy, easy childhood staple that Uh really doesn't get old. Um, Electric factory could, could not be more pro sparkler. Um, Especially like when you like my, so my dad was a photographer and uh, so he used to do like the, the thing. I don't like I, I'm horrible. Like, I don't even know, like, the actual like the double terminology. Exposure. Yes, exposure or something, yeah. whatever. So I could, like, write my name and shit, and then I would just do this, and then he'd be like, oh, come, you know, and that night it would be me writing my name. So that was always uh, that, that was always a really fun time when he bro- broke out the, the fancy camera and got all fancy with it. It was super cool. That's um, really adorable. I just picture, like, little Scotty, you know. <laughs> it was uh, Did, it was did, did little Scotty have part. his not to be rude? Did little Scotty have as big of a head as uh oh yeah older Scotty? So I, like so, that that's the fun. I just picture you like walking around like all unbalanced. You know? Yes. It's, 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 yeah. Um yeah. Chicken little. And so my my parents, my nickname within my family, both sides, is big because of how mm. large my head it was always growing up. Yeah. Um, but massive pro sparkler fireworks like i'm pro fireworks like they're they're cool like if i were to go down to whatever the zoo or whatever and they do a fireworks show and stuff like cool um i've never been a person that like has to go out and buy a bunch of homemade fireworks and then light them off in the driveway for like four hours and and like that's i've never gone out of my way to purchase fireworks that i can do at home in my neighborhood like if i'm if i'm going somewhere like you know fridays at comerica park like cool man for sure but i've i've never been a person that has had any urge or interest to bring fireworks and do them like on my front lawn that's like never been something that i've ever wanted to do and i don't see myself ever wanting to do all right I can respect that. I'm not a big fan of the like. I'm I'm very much a like hurt myself doing those types of things kind of guy, and so sure. I, I do stay away from the homemade fireworks as well. But I do like sure. watching them. Uh, what do you sure. got for me? Okay, how do you feel about going out on? So like, can you hear someone's... the fireworks like in? No, I can't. Are they really? just going off like? There's crazy? like the I city fireworks going on like oh, from my house. There you go. <laughs> how do you feel about? uh like going out on someone's boat for fourth of july i oh, feel fantastic like, yeah and it, it doesn't matter yeah, when yeah. you're out on somebody else's boat if you're out on somebody else's <laughs> boat you're having a good time fair enough fair enough yeah, yeah no, no it, the uh i'm i'm not one for massive crowds of people in the sun but yeah. like if it's if everyone's you know respectfully yeah. far enough away from me i absolutely pro uh but what is those, it about the sun it, it's i don't know it just feels like 
hot and like people are like radiating each onto other. you <laughs> i don't know it's just like i like, get it i honestly do for like we're reason. all hot and sweaty yeah. and right next to each other and stuff like like i don't care how big my group is but yeah, like yeah, you know yeah, everybody yeah. else's group yeah, better yeah. be away from me that's all um shoot i just had one on my head but now i can't remember oh backyard games like uh cornhole can jam um ladder golf do you have do you have a favorite how do you feel about them uh so my college roommate one of my good buddies is insane at cornhole like and i will never admit this to him to his face but he is it's ridiculous like he he i've never seen him lose to anyone and it's not like close either he it's unreal so i was really into cornhole and then like my entire collegiate career i just like <laughs> never even just just came close to winning you just ever. kept running into jordan you had the charles right. barkley experience so, of cornhole exactly exactly so that kind of like I, and i'm still like i i love cornhole but I, i'm not gonna go out of my way anymore because i don't know i just have a, a losing taste in my mouth these days um i am hmm i really like washers to be honest that's a oh that's a good one yeah yeah, yeah. that, that um, one kind of like fell by the wayside difficult, and i feel like that was really one of the like og it. like grad party games for was, sure was washers and for sure um, yeah that kind of fell off i'm a huge can jam fan i don't know if you've ever played that but oh yeah absolutely it's, it's a lot of fun electric um, yeah uh you got one more for me to close us out sentence of the week uh, do you have a go-to is your fourth of july beer different than your beer the rest of the time of year or not um no i have a buddy who will not drink pbr 364 days a year will drink pbr on the fourth of july only you gotta go light beer on fourth of july though because you're drinking so much of it like it's just yeah you get get heavy and like i love I, i am a pbr order like at the bar very frequent and because it's always the cheapest beer on the menu it is and uh but i can't i can't do like 12 of them yeah fair that's fair um probably go a little bit of like just light beer and then uh tequila i think is is going to be the move not a bad call what are you drinking on this fine holiday weekend um probably just some something with the word bud in it there we go bud heavies <laughs> bud lights doesn't matter <laughs> we'll see it don't matter Pistons they all they all yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that should do it for today's show thank you to everybody who tuned in hopefully this was a nice you know uh ease on into your holiday weekend i hope you guys all have a ton of fun i hope you all stay safe and i all i hope you all return back here on wednesday same time same place it's your team every day Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.